Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. about to introduce our speaker I'm gonna have uh, Joe Joe is the um, the director for burn Canada Sean's the founder of that and uh, it's a phenomenal thing this thing and that was kind of your song day and night night and day that's kind of, that's kind of what you do and they burn it and they do worship 24-hour uh, worship and it's phenomenal and we're really blessed to have uh, Joe and Noel in our church and um, and the result of that is we get to um, one of the here they've hosted and sponsored uh, Sean to come and uh, I don't know if anybody's read Pastor Bill Johnson's new book God is good But it, I read it this summer. It's a phenomenal read. I'd encourage you to do so I'm gonna have Joe introduce our guest speaker this morning. Here's, here's Joe And it's so good to have Sean here and have you all here to join us um, Yeah, Sean is uh, founded the burn 2006 in his dorm room in college and uh, now the burn has spread all over the world and uh, it was close to 300 communities that do burn events. If you don't know what the burn is, it's basically we're, we're chasing after 24-7 worship. And we're modeling ourselves after the tabernacle of David. Amos 9-11 talks about the raising up, the last days, the raising up of David's tabernacle um, so that all the earth, all the people can come to know him. And basically what that means is that when David was, was king, he, he established day and night worship, 24-7 worship. He pitched a tent put the Ark of the Covenant in there. He hired 288 Levites. He hired 4,000 musicians, 4,000 other gatekeepers and, and uh, groundskeepers. And they worshiped for, for decades straight, 24-7. And God poured out unprecedented blessing on their, their land and on their people. And this is what Amos 9-11 talks about, uh, the raising up of David's tabernacle. And we're seeing that all over the earth, not only through the burn, but other movements as well. And so we've been doing the burn here in Calgary since 2011. And uh, we do events um, at different churches twice a month. Uh, we have Sean coming back in, in March for our conference. He'll talk about that as well. Um, but uh, yeah, Sean is a fiery, fiery worshiper um, and a fiery preacher as well. And uh, so we're just so happy to have him here. He can tell you a little bit more about himself, but let's just give him a hand. Yeah, welcome. Awesome. Thank you. How's everyone doing, eh? A little bit of winter snapped in this morning. Woo! I'm like, oh, God, ignite the hearts of the frozen chosen here in Canada. Um, it's so good to be with you. I, I've been struggling all week with a, a horrible voice thing in my throat, and I, I didn't want to subject you to the horror of me singing this morning, and so I appreciate Joe for jumping in, but I can share with you, and I have some amazing things that are on my heart. Um, I, I love what God is doing across Canada. I really felt like this morning, uh, more than anything, God wanted to just give us like an espresso boost of hope and optimism. You know, like this morning, like, I don't know about you, but... <clears throat> It's, I love how the Lord does things in our culture and how you see, you know, this global worship movement is rising at the same time that the coffee culture is rising. And there's a connection spiritually between the two. And uh, so this morning, I, I, you know, I, 
we travel quite a bit around the world. I get to about 30 to 40 countries a year, and I get the privilege to come into Canada five or six times and, um, a year. And, and it's just, I just love the things that God's doing around this country. And I just feel like this morning that God literally wants to arouse our hearts to begin to dream again and get filled with like, I almost see like childlike optimism. I was thinking of my kids this morning, how, you know, I have, I have three kids and one, one on the way and my wife, she's the real hero of the family back home, wrangling a seven, five and three year old. And she's pregnant. And uh, but I was thinking about how my kids like it doesn't take much to get them excited. Like they're super resilient, right? They get super excited really easy. They're they're like their seasons of being bummed out are very, very short. And, And I feel like this morning that there's there's a divine childlike spirit that God wants to baptize on us to why we remember again why we signed up for this. How does that sound? So, Lord, we just pray this morning, thank you for what you're doing in this city, in this nation, in this region. Bless this church. Thank you for the opportunity to be here with such beautiful people. And I just pray this morning, God, catch us up, Lord, in the global wave of revival that's sweeping the earth. I pray this morning you'd shatter hopelessness, discouragement, despair, and apathy, God. We don't want to be apathetic Christians. Lord, wake us up in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, most importantly, I want to share that I'm actually speaking from the posture of victory and breakthrough because of what happened with Nick and I two days ago on a hill south of Calgary. Look at that. Nick downed his first bull elk. Come on, a little bit more cheers, guys. Gosh, I thought we were, yeah, I thought we were in Canada. We're fans of organic meat here, right? Free-range organic meat. And uh, it's a beautiful bull and had the privilege to be with Nick. It was an amazing time. And, and uh, I, as, uh, as the pastor was saying, I, I, I grew up in Montana. And so uh, you can put it down just in case people, some people might get grossed out. I could look at it all day. But um, I, I grew up in Montana. Uh, so that kind of makes me like half Canadian, you know, I, like I, I get a little bit of cred uh, because I, I grew up there and um, You know, you can take a boy out of Montana, but never take Montana out of the boy. And so, you know, the privilege to come up here and and run around, you know, 30 miles a day chasing elk around the woods is like, I love it. It's just so much fun. Um, But, yeah, speaking from the posture of breakthrough, uh, I want to speak first, open up to Romans 13, if you have your Bible. I want to share this morning, bring you a little bit in the time that we have on a trip around the world to share with you some of the amazing things God's doing uh, on the earth that I feel um, intensely, intensely uh, uh, bummed out that many people in the first world don't realize the day that we live in. And so many people are buying into the Kool-Aid of the media that's trying to prophesy us into what season we're in. And we're buying into it and fear and panic and worry and anxiety and tension is filling our hearts instead of being baptized in the prophetic promise of what God has spoken. And so here you have somebody, long haired, random guy with half a voice coming in to completely assure you there is a whole different narrative that God is shaping. And this morning you have a choice to buy into what the media narrative is telling you or what the kingdom is telling you. 
And so uh, I want to, I just was feeling this verse in uh, Romans 13, uh, verse uh, 11. And I'm going to read it actually here, and then I'll read it in the message translation as well. It says, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up. Someone say, wake up. Turn to someone next. You say, wake up. Wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension or jealousy. I think it's really interesting that it says, it, it basically in the same sentence, it links sexual immorality, debauchery, and dissension or argumentativeness. Those are grouped together. Or the spirit of offense. <laughs> Funny, huh? Paul's like, hey, by the way, sexual immorality is going to cripple you, and so is offense. And we're speaking of the same, like, we're speaking, and when I, even when I talk about this, like, I am on a full-on purge to root out the offended Christian. The offended Christian, because right now this generation is the most offended generation that's ever existed. Everything offends us, right? We're offended at everything that could possibly offend us, and somehow it's all Donald Trump's fault. (laughs) So funny to me. It's like, and we're just wrapped up. We're cloaked in a spirit of offense that actually cripples us from being able to step into the new season that God has for us. And so even this morning, we have an opportunity to shed off these layers of offense and argumentativeness and just this whole thing that gets on us, this funk, you know. Jesus was the most offended man. He was the most, he he could have been the most offended man in all of history, but he chose to forgive his offenders for all their offenses, and he lived above offense. And so a big part of this is, is, yeah, we want to live holy, we want to live pure, but we want to live with childlikeness. We want to live not getting wrapped up in the political spirit and the argumentative nature and the division. Guys, we're believers. We see things from a whole different perspective. Come on, are you with me? (laughs) So he says, uh, debauchery not in dissension or jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, I'm going to reread this verse um, in the message translation because it's, Totes, amazing. It says, but make sure you don't get absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. We must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence and sleeping around in dissipation and bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed. Get dressed. Don't loiter and linger, waiting till the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. Last night we were with a group of just random, wild, crazy believers in the little town of Sylvan Lake, and they had... They had come together to do 24 hours of worship. They didn't really know what it was. They just knew there was like a flame logo, and it seemed like this fire thing, and probably 
Some thought it was weird, and they would just go check it out. Because what else are you going to do in Sylvan Lake on Friday or Saturday? And, man, I was stepped into that room, and these people were so gung-ho, just wildly. Some had stayed up the entire night. I've been stayed up all 24 hours. I talked to some of the musicians that played five sets, which means, like, they played for 10 hours in the last 24 hours. That's like Indian Christian status. That's like the Indian Christians when I go there. You know, like, we normally do two-hour sets of worship. They do, like, three or four hours, you know. And I was just so filled. I was like, man, people are hungry for Jesus in this nation. People are pressing in beyond denominational barriers. People, even though they don't understand it, there is a hunger for the presence of God. Amen. I had the privilege um, about a week ago, a week and a half ago, to kick off our Bethel Music uh, tour that we started on the East Coast. It was our fall tour, and we actually got to kick it off in Toronto which was super fun. It was a U.S. tour, but we snuck in the first date in Toronto, and I was really, really excited because, of course, I love coming to Canada, but I was shocked, guys. Like, I want to, I mean, I could talk about all over the world what God's doing, and I will, but I could just talk about Canada. I could be more excited about what God's doing in your nation than you are about your nation. I mean, Toronto on a Tuesday night. Started at 6 o'clock. I'm like, guys, Toronto's traffic's horrible. You can't start this at 6 o'clock. You need to start at 7 or 8 o'clock. And I only had to start at 6 because we had to get on the bus and drive through the border and go to the next town. Later that night, we started at 6. People were lining up in the door at 3 p.m. To come in at 6, we had 3,300 people on a Tuesday night gather to pay money to worship. <laughs> right? I want to show a couple pictures I mean, and, and, and the place was electric. Go to the next one. The place was wild. Like, we began to press into God, and I felt like I closed my eyes. I literally thought I was, like, in, in a third world nation with, like, experiencing crazy revival. Like, I thought I was in Indonesia, you know, <coughs> where the revival was exploding. People were so wild and so loud. They would not shut up. They just kept singing. They kept singing. And at the end of the night, I went up there because I was preaching and leading worship on this tour. And I took the easiest altar call of my entire life. I was like, hey, listen, God is amazing. He's all over this place. We're going to do every, every eye raised and every head lifted. Everybody looking around the room. We're going to do this like we do in the Middle East. If you want Jesus in your life for the first time, raise your hand. 300 hands. 300 people got saved. In Canada. A couple of you guys are excited about that. In Toronto on a Tuesday night, 300 people getting saved. And what happens when the presence of God is in our midst and he's welcomed? Stuff like that is easy. He is easy. Like, he doesn't need tricks and gimmicks and labels. And, and, and he doesn't need us to make him more relevant. He just needs to be here. And stuff happens. I think there's one more picture. And the ministry, man, people were getting delivered. They were getting set free. There was healings and miracles. I was like, I have never experienced this in Toronto. And I wanted to share that with you, first of all, to just say God is doing something significant in the nation that you live in. The prophetic destiny of Canada being a leaf of healing to the nations. It is going to happen, and it is happening. Amen.
<laughs> it is time for us to wake up. It's time for us to be alive. It is time for us to be aware. I want to share a couple more uh, stories of what's happening around the world. You can put the next picture up. This is actually in America. A lot of Canadians are concerned at times. Man, is America okay? You sure you guys are going to be all right? You sure you're going to make it through this? You know, I'm like, no, no. The gospel thrives in seasons like this. <laughs> Like, think about this. Like, our hope is not in a label or a brand. Our hope is in the fact that the gospel just continues to increase. Our hope is that we've all read the end of the story. Amen. We know what happens in the end. And so we have a confidence. And so when things start to get crazy and the enemy starts to rear his head and there starts to be, you know, division, starts to be all this stuff, we go, oh, God must be moved. Something must be about to break. And so we gathered in, in, the, in the downtown. I've never experienced this in America in my life. About three weeks ago, we uh, had this crazy idea where what if we brought all 50 states together? We created a tent on the mall in, in Was downtown Washington, D.C., right there next to the Capitol building and right next to the Washington Monument. Right if in the middle of our nation's capital, we got a permit for a week which is impossible, never happened. We set up tents, and all 50 states send worship leaders to worship for three days straight in all 50 tents. So we did it. It rained, you know, it was like, it, it, which is awesome. It just made it more crazy. You know, it rained, it was muddy, it was whatever. We gathered the last night about 25,000 people. I got to lead worship for the last set. And, man, it was so electric. It, there was so much hope. You would never in your mind imagine being in this place, you know, three weeks ago, that there was an issue with America or that there was hopelessness or there was despair. I, I felt nothing but divine optimism for the season God's bringing us into. And, and that's what happens. Why we love worship so much is because it realigns, reprioritizes, and recalibrates us. It's like the Holy Ghost chiropractor. It says he's the glory and the lifter of your head, you know, and you, this is why, like, we have to break out of this religious mindset that we're doing three fast and three slow and it's part of our religious thing or we're just getting ready for the preaching and making our hearts ready and all this stuff. Like, no, this is the divine oxygen of heaven. Worship is what connects us, recalibrates us, and reminds us, you do not belong here. You are from another dimension. Where he's on the throne, where he's in control, the angels are not insecure in heaven right now. They're fully convinced he has the power to do what he does. And it's like this morning when that presence comes in the room, we, it's like he's, he's the glory and the lifter. Maybe we've been bummed out during the week. Maybe we've had some hard times. Maybe we're worried about how we're going to pay our mortgage. Or maybe we're having issues with our kids. Or maybe all of this stuff that weighs us down. We get in the presence and oh, we look up. And all of that stuff just falls off us. And we go, oh, oh, I, I, I'm convinced again. I'm convinced of your worth. I'm convinced of your plan. I'm convinced of what you're doing in my life. Go to the next shot. South Africa, two months ago, having all of these issues right now with, the, you know, of course, racial issues and economic problems and corruption across the country and 
things are in a panic. The currency is is devaluing, you know, devaluing like at a rapid pace. And and a farmer has an idea. He goes, "Hey, we should pr- we should have a prayer meeting." <laughs> a farmer in the center of the nation says, "We should have a prayer meeting. We should call the nation to prayer." He's not a big well-known guy, he doesn't have a marketing campaign, he doesn't, he's not on Twitter, he's, he doesn't know how to mobilize. He says, we should call the nation to pray. This is three months ago. He sets up a stage, he believes that he can get, you know, maybe 20,000 of his farmer friends. That's a lot of farmer friends. A lot of friends. That's what he's hoping for. He begins to spread the word, they begin to pray in his, in his, little, in his little barn. They begin to ask God to mobilize a movement of prayer for the nation. They set a date. Over 2 million people show up in South Africa, making it the largest gathering of human beings in the history of South Africa, was a prayer meeting in a farmer's field. (laughs) They didn't have enough amplification for the sound of the people praying. And, you know, it's like countries like this, they don't, have a culture of like uh, warm-up songs. <laughs> we we kind of need warm-up songs a little bit in Calgary, right? Like maybe in the winter, like come on guys, <laughs> let's get warm. In South Africa, they just shut right away. First chord, craziness. <laughs> For two days, these guys prayed and they wouldn't stop. That God would shift their nation, that he would break through. And they saw incredible signs and wonders. Miracles are happening all over this nation since this happened. Go to the next picture. This is a a picture my friend took. He was near the front, and he's just like, you can't see the end of the people. They're here all day just to pray and fast. Go to the next picture. This is in India. This is a seven-year-old boy. Uh, We have a lot. We do a lot of missions around the world, and this... uh, year actually me and my family we have the privilege i we have a long-term project in iraq and we're actually going to be spending christmas as a family in a refugee camp this year we're really excited about it my kids are pumped my my uh (coughs) my little seven-year-old girl's already saving money in her piggy bank to to buy baby dolls for the refugees and we're just we've always been connected to missions like my whole life i grew up doing this and so it's just natural in the burn dna (coughs) that (coughs) you know it's from the fire to the fragrance. Every, fra- every fire has a fragrance, and every fragrance has a fire. Prayer and missions are inseparable. And so we're burning with the heart of God for the nations as we get in his presence because that's what he's all about, his nations. And so anyway, we, we, we've launched the burn all across India over the last you know six, seven years. And one of the things that we've been really successful in is targeting unreached areas that ha- have not where there's been no churches planted no salvations that where there's not a living gospel witness and right now india tw- over twenty thousand people are getting saved every day hope you guys like curry better get used to it one in six people in the world are indian and with the way that the church is exploding it will be the largest church in the next five years the largest church in the world will be in India. It's just phenomenal. And the average age of pastors there is about 18 years old. A lot of them are illiterate, haven't been to ministry school. But they flow with the Holy Ghost, man. And so anyway, this little boy, so the Lord told us, you know, as you're targeting these areas, he said, we said, God, we need a strategy. We want to reach these unreached places. They've been burning churches. They're radical Hindus and Muslims. They're very, very fierce against 
against the church. And so he said, he said, go for the children. He said, once the children get caught with fire, he said, they will change their nation. And so we started doing this thing called Burn Kids Camp. What a name, huh? It's like, <laughs> like who wants to send their kid to that, you know? But um, we started doing this thing where we were busing in all of these kids uh, on a summer break. And, you know, sponsored by Americans and sponsored by internationals. And, you know, we told these, you know, radical Hindu parents, hey, send your kids for a week and we'll take care of them. We'll feed them. We'll teach them English. We'll, tell, we'll talk to them about Jesus. And, of course, the Hindus are like, oh, yeah, we, we believe in, you know, 10 million gods. Well, another one's great. Go for it. So they send their kids. By day one of their kids being in our program, they're getting saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit, having angelic visitations and prophesying over their na over their community and village that they're going to go back and reach. This seven-year-old right here, who's just totally undone in the presence of God, just got saved, healed, delivered. His parents are radical Hindus. He went back to his village and in a matter of a few months planted three churches. A seven-year-old. Seven years old. And the gospel of the kingdom in these days belongs to such as these. And so when I travel across America and people don't feel like they're equipped or they're ready and they need to go through more school, they need to go through more, maybe one more conference, they need to get impartation again, I'm like, man, you got all that you need. You got all that you need to bring the kingdom of God in your workplace, in your situation, in your life, in your home, in your business, in your community. Go to the next picture. This is uh, from two months ago in Iraq. This is a refugee camp we were doing a distribution in. These kids that you see with smiles on their faces were literally child soldiers under ISIS for three years. They were living under ISIS occupation in the city of Mosul, which, by the way, Mosul, the city of Mosul is ancient Nineveh. So when you look on the news and you go, oh, another thing in Mosul, another thing in Iraq, we don't realize this is the cradle of Christian civilization. The greatest revival in the history of the world that we know of happened in Iraq, in Nineveh, by a grumpy prophet. And so anyway, as we were there, you know, we, we, we were doing this distribution in this refugee camp, and we heard that, you know, the, the, the coalition forces just liberated another section of Mosul, and they released uh, these these kids and families, mostly, uh, mostly kids and, and mothers, were the ones that were released. And so they began to flood into this refugee camp. And under, for three years under ISIS occupation, they were taught to hate Americans, hate Christians, you know, hate everything about the West. And they were literally brainwashed in radical, radical Islam, jihad, just crazy stuff, right? So... They land in the refugee camp the day before we get there, and we are the first representation of everything they're taught to hate. So we show up, and we're like, oh, Lord, help us. What do we do with these kids, you know, that have been totally brainwashed and totally fed all these lies and all this stuff? And the Lord said, just get the guitar out. Start singing songs of joy. God, we don't know Arabic. We don't know Kurdish. We don't know what language they speak. We don't know where they're from. Just sing a melody. Just sing a joyful melody and watch as I break these spirits over them and watch as I set them free. And I'm telling you guys, one of the reasons I love worship and music is it goes to places where sermons can never go. It's, it's sneaky. 
And as we begin to sing these melodies, they begin to go. And, man, these kids begin to get set free. And literally within 30 minutes of being in this atmosphere of joy, this whole thing of three years of brainwashing broke off of them. And we literally have videos of a thousand kids following us around this refugee camp. I mean, just waiting, just looking for hope, just looking for love. And obviously we've seen in these refugee camps an incredible turning of the Lord, insane salvations, miracles, signs and wonders. What the enemy meant for evil, God is turning to good. Amen. Go to the next shot. This is me and my uh, Kurdish grandpa chief. And uh, he just made me, uh, he just made me tea, Arabic tea, which is like basically half sugar. So y- the key is just don't stir it. Just <laughs> drink the top part. But this is a, a, a Yazidi, and the Yazidi people groups were, were one of the primary targets uh, by ISIS because they're a minority group. We didn't know a whole lot about them. And, um, and they live primarily on Mount Sinjar, kind of in northern Iraq, and, and this guy right here his name's baba he's the grandpa he watched his sons be executed in front of him and (coughs) isis didn't want to waste a bullet on him because they thought he would die in the desert and miraculously through a series of crazy miracles he was reunited with his son's families 13 families when we found them two years ago they arrived to the city too late to get in the refugee camps refugee camps were all full and so The Lord said, these are your people. Take care of them. They're not an evangelistic project. Just love them. So we began to help them. We began to to give them food. You know, we began to give them uh, heaters. We began to build a shower. We built their first shower that 13 families have had in three years. You want to talk about what revival looks like? That's what it looks like, you know. And, and uh, so we began to just love on them. And after a couple months, they began to just say, why are you doing this? The questions began to be asked. Why do you have so much love? Why do you have so much hope? Why are you here? Why did you leave your family? You know, we have a team of eight full time on the ground there. And then we began to tell them about Jesus. And then one by one, every single one of them began to give their heart to Jesus. And the last time I was there, this Kurdish grandpa Or this Yazidi grandpa turned to me and he goes, Sean, we no longer want to read the Quran. We no longer want our kids to study the Quran. We only want to study the Bible. And he goes, will you teach us about Jesus? He is the hope for the Middle East. Isn't that amazing? So you're reading the news. You're seeing the beheading stories. You're watching the stuff. But you're not, these are the stories that aren't coming through your feed. The gospel moving and shaping and shifting just like it's always done. It's always the good news. It's never not been the good news. So we got to remember even when we show up on Sunday morning and we go to church and we're being faithful and we're pressing in, we got to be filled with an optimism that goes counterculture to the earth, to the world. The gospel's always been the good mood. One of the reasons I am on a tirade against grumpy Christians is because it's really bad PR. <laughs> it's not good marketing. Well, get the kids and let's go to church. Go to church. Just don't come to church if you're like that. It's like, man, like, 
every single moment we get to wake up. I know it's tough. I know it. Trust me. I mean, <laughs> I love being at Bethel Church. It's amazing. I don't like parking at my church. It takes 40 minutes to get a parking space, and then you got to get there, you know, 30 minutes before the service starts, hoping that your kid will make it into kids' church because the church, our church is slammed, and I'm like one of the main worship leaders. And it's like definitely a labor of love, but I have to remind myself of the privilege we have to be alive at such a time as this. Go to the last picture. <laughs> this is um <clears throat> really cool. This is what kind of started my my journey and my desire to want to be there for Christmas this year. We we did a, I was there in December last year and we were freezing, man. It was it was really cold and we were you know, we brought I brought this little Christmas tree from IKEA. Brought a whole bag of um hot cocoa and I just thought I want to, you know, cuz they're so curious about Christmas. They've never celebrated it. They've just heard about it. I said, I want to tell them about Christmas. So we, we packed up <coughs> all of these toys and, and gifts that we brought, and <coughs> all of our bags were overweight, and I had to beg with the airline people, come on, you know, and, and uh, they let us send them all. And so we have just all these baby dolls and all these toys and all this stuff. But I wanted to start the whole thing out by telling them about Jesus, and they're so excited to hear the Christmas story. They're like, oh, yeah, tell us, you know. And so we sit down. We have this kerosene heater in front of us. It's freezing cold. We're in this structure that 13 families live in. That would blow your mind, right? <coughs> We're sitting there. We make hot cocoa, and I open up the Bible. I have a translator, and I start sharing the story of Jesus. And, man, this moment that I had there, like, changed me forever. I started reading through it, and I got to the part where it said that Jesus was born in a manger. And so the translator is telling him this. And, and the kids, they ask, well, what's a manger? And he explains. And so the translator asks me, and I'm like, you know, it's a place where livestock are, and it's a place where sheep and goats and, and horses and where they stay. There was no room in the inn. There was no room. This was the only place they could go, and baby Jesus was born in a manger. And as I started to say that, the kids, and it was translated, the kids' faces lit up. They're like, wow. And then they started talking to each other, and they started laughing, and they started spinning around the room. And I asked the translator, I'm like, what are they doing? Like, did you translate the right thing? And he said, he said, yeah. He says, they're smiling and laughing because the room that they live in used to be a place for livestock. And all of a sudden, I had this flashback to when we first met this family, and I realized that there were literally cows and goats, and there were livestock in this little shed, and that's, that's what it was. It was the only place that was open for them because the refugee camps were closed. And it was their only shelter. And I realized at that moment that the gospel of Jesus Christ is connecting to refugees in Iraq that have no home and no place to go. And I just lost it. I started to weep. I like, I was like, I need to go in the other room. I just lost it. I was like, oh my gosh, the beauty of the gospel. I came home. I'm <laughs> I came home like a madman, you know. Got off the plane in, in California. I said, babe, we're doing Christmas different. You know, 
<laughs> I was like wild, you know. We're gonna do something different, you know. We're missing what it's all about, you know. And I told her the experience, and and I just thought, oh, the humility and the kindness of God. And there's ways in which we are so disconnected from the power and the authority of the gospel. And as they begin to jump and 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 jump around the room and they begin to dance and they begin to realize that Jesus is just like them. That he had no place and they have no place. Totally realigned my perspective for this season and really shifted what I feel like, you know, even this morning, these cultural layers that keep us kind of zoned out, keep us in this monotony, keep us in this thing where we're totally not aware. And I, you know, I feel a little bit this morning like those men on the road to Emmaus, like Luke 24, where Jesus comes up and walks with them and they're super bummed out, they're super depressed, and yet they're talking to Jesus. They're depressed about Jesus that died and they're talking to Jesus totally unaware that they are living in the greatest day in human history, that he literally rose from the dead, defeated death, did everything he said he could do, and they're still depressed. (laughs) You guys remember that story? (laughs) And then finally, towards the end of their trip, you know, when Jesus reveals himself and, you know, does the Jehovah sneaky thing and they eat the bread and their eyes are open, (laughs) they look at each other and they say, oh, Something was happening in our hearts. It was burning when we were in his presence. This is why prioritizing the presence of God. This is why us getting together to worship. This is why us continuing to press in to where our hearts begin to burn again. And the layers in our life of culture, of confusion, of hopelessness, of disconnection, where those begin to burn away and our hearts become alive again at the power of the gospel message that's changing the world. There is a new narrative that's being shaped. It's his story. It's his narrative. And whether you make the choice to jump in wholeheartedly doesn't change the fact that it's moving. And I feel like this morning, you know, to give a surfing analogy, we're a long way from surfing, but, you know, you got to start paddling when you see a big wave coming. You got to begin to get some speed and momentum to catch it. And I feel like what God's doing in Canada is he's getting us ready to paddle. He's getting us acclimated to the wave that's coming because there is a wave that's coming. This is why hundreds of people will stay up through the night on Friday and Saturday night in Sylvan Lake and why tonight people are going to worship through the night in Lethbridge when we go down there and why people are getting saved across Toronto and why even out in the eastern states out there God is moving in New Brunswick. I was just with some pastors out there saying about youth revivals are breaking out. Guys, this is a great day to be alive. And you know what? At the end of the day, like, your currency can do what it is and your economy and your politics and your whatever. We are not defined by that. Our hope is in a man who's on the throne and is in control. And I want to pray this morning, if you just stand with me.
And if we could have the prayer team come down, that would be amazing. <coughs> I want to pray this morning. Um, what a privilege to be here. And it's so amazing to, to hear the stories of, of what God's doing in this church and your guys' heart to, to plant other churches and to just see the kingdom of God expand around this region and this city and in this nation and I want to pray this morning for just another wave of like awareness and fire and hunger I feel like some of you are going to get unstuck just feel like some of you are just feel like you've just been stuck and here's the amazing thing you know Jesus the, the prophecy in Isaiah 53 about Jesus it says a bruised reed he will not break smoldering wick he will not snuff out which means that he doesn't come to bring condemnation oh you're just a lazy Christian you don't care and you don't know no it says that he comes to bring a smoldering wick even if you feel like your wick is your fire is just barely there this morning he's come to ignite it he's come to breathe on it he's come to bring hope and life. Even the, the men on the road to Emmaus, it's like, good thing we're not God. We would have rebuked those guys and punched them in their throat. Jesus spent three years of his life investing into them, and they still missed it. But the kindness of God is to keep reminding us. And as he walked on the road, he taught them again the prophecies about himself. And I feel like this morning, it's just a reminder to you about the power of the gospel. This is why we're here. Amen? <clears throat> so, Lord, <clears throat> I just pray this morning. And listen, even as I'm praying, if you're here and you're just, like, you're just like, man, I need to get my life filled with fire again. I need to get filled with hope again. I just want you to come down front. If you're here and you're just like, you want an impartation to like really to have your heart set on fire. Maybe you're here and you've just been in hopelessness or despair or maybe just even indifference, which indifference is just as bad. Like indifference is un unawareness. You know, and you're just like this morning, you just want to get baptized with a sense of the power of the gospel. I just want you to come down front. I want to pray. Even as I'm praying, feel free to come down front. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for C3. I thank you for this movement around the world. I thank you for the power of the gospel. I thank you for the hope of the nations. I thank you, Lord, that even as we this morning have heard testimonies of what you've done around the world, Lord, that have set a precedent, I pray that the same things that are happening across the earth would happen here. I pray even today for a marked increase of your presence. I pray this morning in lives, in marriages, in homes, in, in children, in, in families across this room, God, breathe your wind of refreshing in life. We break off spirits of despair. I just feel like someone in this room has been battling suicide. We break off that spirit in Jesus' name. God has called you to life and life more abundantly. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a dream in his heart for you. I pray this morning, God, for those that have been, you know, discouraged by the church or bummed out or burned. Lord, I pray this morning for a fresh filling of hope. Come on, just lift your hands up if you want that. A fresh filling of hope this morning. An awakening spirit, Lord, the spirit of awakening to be released 
on our hearts. In Jesus' name, come on, let's just ask him for it. Just begin to lift your voice. the altar open. We're going to sing a little bit. If you'd like to uh, be released, and you're welcome to be released, but we're going to worship for a bit and pray for the each individual here. We just want to, we just thank you, Father, for your great presence, Lord, that's being released and you're fanning into flames. This, these coals and these wicks in the hearts of men and women right here today. Father, I thank you that each one is prayed for, Lord, that the fire would begin to burn once again. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. And I thank you for a fresh revelation of what you're doing on the earth. Thank you for Pastor Sean, his vision, Lord, this global vision, Lord. We love what you're doing through Burn, and we bless him. And now, Lord, as we're about to take a moment just to rededicate our lives to you, we thank you, Lord, for the fresh infilling and the fresh fire that you're releasing in every individual that's here this morning in the powerful name of Jesus. And as we go through our week, let us be reminded, Lord, again, that you are worthy, worthy of it all. There's some things in the foyer you're welcome to pick up if you'd like. we got some CDs and some books out there. Let's just stay and worship for a little bit. If you need to go, you're released. God bless you. Have an awesome morning.